friends. Welcome to the Creative Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Caldwell, and I'm so happy you're here. Each episode, I take some time to chat with fellow artists about life, faith, and the impact of the arts. At our weakest moments, when we've said, this is something I really want, and yet I cannot seem to produce this thing in me, mm-hmm. like we disappoint ourselves on the regular. Right. So it's actually not helpful for someone to say, you got this, when I know that I don't. Yeah. If I know that I'm struggling with something, I don't want someone to tell me, try harder and you'll be able to do it because self-help is not my greatest hope. My greatest hope is that even when I don't have whatever it is that I feel like I'm supposed to be doing, that Christ still loves me and still died for me and is still with me. Happy Tuesday, everyone. We are in the last week of July, believe it or not. I'm so excited to have you joining us for this conversation today. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, we are so happy to have you here. Whether you've just started listening or you've been listening for a while, I would invite you to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. And that way, new episodes will be ready and waiting for you as soon as they're released. Today, I am so honored to have Lindsay Carlson back on the podcast. Lindsay was a guest back on episode 22 in fall of 2020, and I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that episode as well. In our first conversation together, Lindsay and I take time to chat about her journey and her background in the arts, and it's a great way to get caught up on her story. Today, we had so much fun catching up, and I got to hear all about her newest book, A Better Encouragement, Trading Self-Help for True Hope, which just released in June. We start off just kind of catching up on the last couple of years and her family's recent move back to Texas in the DFW area, and then we really dive into her new book. Lindsay shares about her journey writing and publishing A Better Encouragement in the midst of the pandemic and what prompted her to write the book in the first place. Through her work in women's ministry and her own personal experiences, Lindsay saw that there was a gap between our desire for encouragement and our understanding for how to actually offer biblical encouragement to one another. So if you are feeling discouraged and maybe like you don't have the strength to, quote, make it happen on your own, I invite you to listen as Lindsay points us back to the truth of God and his promises. I love Lindsay's thoughts on how to practically encourage one another in life. Get ready to be inspired and to learn how to offer a better encouragement to those around you. Enjoy my conversation with Lindsay Carlson. It's so crazy to think about that it's been two years since you were on the podcast or almost two years, not quite, but yeah, yeah, back on episode 22. Crazy. You've done so many. That's awesome. It's insane. Um, I think this will be episode 68. So that's so great. Whoa, super fun. (laughs) Actually, I went back and listened to our last interview and it was so fun kind of re-listening and hearing what we talked about. And like we were just saying, like thinking about we were in the in the throes of everything with the pandemic and yeah, I should go back and listen to it too. Probably be helpful for me. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's just kind of like a time capsule, you know? Yeah. Where you can yeah. think about, oh, what was I thinking at that time? Or, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So fun. So yeah, speaking of, a lot has happened in the last couple of years for you personally with family and where you live and all the things. So do you want to just catch us up a little bit on what's happened in the past couple of years? Yes, absolutely. So um, we were church planting in the mid-Atlantic and 
we just kind of got to a place where we felt like the Lord was calling us to to move back home to Texas, where my family, all of our families in Texas now. And so we started praying about that. And the Lord led us to a church in Greenville, Texas. And so Kyle is the senior pastor at um, a church here and we moved in May. So we've been here just a couple of months and we're still settling in and trying to get to know everybody's names and yeah. things like that. So yeah. And we, we moved like right during the book launch, I think. So <laughs> it's kind of been a really crazy season of like, you know, cross country move with five kids and two dogs and a book launch. Wow. So I feel like what I spend most of my days doing is like wanting to take a nap. Yes. You know? <laughs> That's so with. real for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and very much like understandable in the midst yes. of everything. Oh man. Yeah. So do you mind if I ask, is imprint still going on? No, that's a, okay. that's a good question. No, we actually went ahead and as a church, we had to, um, because we were a congregationally led church, we had to decide as a church body what to do. Okay. And we were in a situation where we only had one elder. So we decided that if Kyle was going to be leading, that was going to put a church in a really hard position because of how funding works mm. in smaller churches in the mid-Atlantic. Okay. And so um, we made the decision corporately to, to go ahead and close the doors. So that was hard. It was, yeah. I think that's a huge part of why it's been really difficult to reset is because mm-hmm. we weren't just moving away from an existing church like we'd done before. It was actually like the grieving of the end of a season. Yeah. So that seven year season coming to a close meant people that we really loved and that really loved each other and were very unified now had to be going in their own directions. So it's been, it's been a season of loss for sure, but, but a good and sweet season where we're trusting the Lord to do really great things and all the people that were sent out. Yes, that's true. That there's sort of perfectly a multiplication in a way of the work that y'all have been doing Mm -hmm. for the past seven years. So yeah, yeah, that's exciting in a sense. And I know I'm sure challenging too and hard and, you know, have you felt yourself processing kind of that grief and loss. Yes. In, in I particular think that, ways, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I think that, um, you know, like creatives all process emotions so differently. I had a friend say that to me this morning and, and I just think that, you know, sometimes processing is sleeping. Sometimes processing is talking to close friends mm-hmm. right now. I, I tend to find that like when I'm grieving and when I'm processing something, I can't, I kind of can't write. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I think people who write, like that is how they process. They like, you yes, know, they get it all out. Paper. Yeah. Uh-huh. They need to say all the things in the words. And, and I kind of just have to turn my brain off for a little bit and like go dormant. So yeah. I start reading. I do a lot of reading and mm-hmm. I do a lot of like just laughing, trying to laugh with people that I love and that I can hang out with. So I think it's been an interesting challenge because it's like, we're in this new season where I want to get to know lots of new people. And, but there's like so many good, fun things I could dive into to distract myself. But I know creatively and just from experience that I don't want to skip the process of grieving either. You know? Right. So yeah. It's so vital to, to actually go through yeah. it. Yeah. 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 It'd be nice if we could just skip over it, but right. Press fast forward. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> skip, but skip, I guess skip. there's so much beauty in it too. And yes. like the depth, I think, you know, walking through grief and I'm still, I feel like it's definitely a journey and it's not like a destination necessarily, mm-hmm. but you know, finding a deeper knowing of God's goodness or a deeper Absolutely. knowing of his strength and like helping to sustain us is pretty beautiful, yeah. even though it's like, oh, I don't really want to feel this, but right. That's cool. Well, and scripture says specifically that we 
we are comforted in order to comfort others with the comfort that we have received from Christ. Right. And so it's like, how will we know how to be good comforters to one another if we haven't actually gone through the process of like having to sit under the comfort of God, you know, like that's how we learn to love others. Yes. Certainly Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. (laughs) Mm -hmm, For sure. (laughs) Exactly. Speaking of comfort, but uncomfortable situations. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what's really fun is thinking back to last time we talked, you were at the very, I feel like early stages of your book that just recently released, which is super cool. Yay! It's come to fruition, which is so fun. Um, and I think at the time it was, I don't know if there was a, you know, not really a true title yet. I think you probably had a working title or something like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, you had the the concept of the book. So I'm so curious to hear what has this journey been like over the past couple of years writing during the pandemic and then, you know, the whole publishing yeah. process. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I think that the working title when I started was better encouragement and the finished product title was a better encouragement <laughs> because these fine, very distinct, fine, <laughs> fine people in my publishing world that have so much knowledge and wisdom into how all of the like nerd speak goes down with like Amazon and, you know, web searching. I don't know all of the things that I'm so thankful that I don't have to figure out. Mm -hmm. You know, the publishing team has a really great way of like, you know, tossing around different things and what works best and making good suggestions and stuff. But, but it is always fun. Like when you have a title that comes out, you know, pretty close to what you had in mind. And so I can, I figured I could die to self and add an A, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like a win, you know, that it was majority the same. So, um, I think that, you know, I think that the the way that it shaped and changed along the way, the biggest things that I would say is that I feel like I love to be an idea generator. Like I love to think about like, oh, I wonder why this is the way that it is or, mm. or I wonder what, you know, the Lord might have to say about this specific topic or whatever. And I can pretty easily, I think because I'm a, I'm an organized thinker, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I like to like categorize and sort and process it's pretty easy for me to come up with an outline and to go like, Oh, well, see, here's my working book. Blam, blam, blam. Mm-hmm. It's a lot harder to like actually sit down and write it. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, when, when you sit down at the front end of a proposal, at least in the uh, publication process that I'm in, you do have to present, right. A proposal that's like, here are the chapters. This is what I'm going to say in each of the chapters. And this is what it's going to look like on the back end. But you know, you're squeezing it into a, you know, 30 to 50 page proposal document. Mm-hmm. That's going to then turn into what is it like? I'm thinking five, three to five thousand word book, right? Yeah. And so, without repeating yourself a million times, without <laughs> you know sounding trite or like you're just trying to say word word to the word word, you know. Uh huh. So I think the the thing that happens in the middle of that of going from like the idea to the actual product is just so difficult and messy at least for me, Mm. like I can have processes like in order and I can be like, okay, I'm going to show up at this time every day. I'm going to put this effort in. I'm going to put these boundaries in place to guard my time. I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And A plus B should equal C. Right. (laughs) We wish that would be nice. Yeah. A plus B like always equaled like purple for me. Like it was never, ever the way that it worked, you know? Yeah. So I found like I would show up and I mean, and again, I will say we were talking about how it was like mid pandemic or something last time we talked, you know, I proposed this book and 
signed a contract on it before the pandemic. Like, right. you yeah. know, yeah. many are the plans in the, in the mind of man, but the Lord directs his steps. I kept reminding myself like, okay, I didn't know, but the Lord did. I didn't know, but the Lord did. You exactly. Know? So every single time, I mean, cause we had, we had five kids and we were in a kind of small house and all of my kids came home from school. And so what I thought I had to write a book was Monday through Friday from nine to three in a quiet house became, nope, all five of my kids are doing, you know, home learning on the computer for yeah. two years. And then we ended up homeschooling, like pulling them out because they were on the computer every day. And yeah. so it went from like, no, Lindsay, your strategy for how you thought you would write this book is actually going to be totally not that not controllable, not manipulatable. Like you're going to just have to like walk by faith and expect daily mercies from the Lord. And so if we're being super honest, it was a terrifying process, like, Mm -hmm. because I love control and I love neat, tidy structures and systems and words and creative process don't usually look like that, you know? So, um, I think surrendering and submitting myself to the like icky, messy parts of like, okay, how can I be routinely showing up and being faithful with putting in the work, but also be relying on the spirit that the Lord gives me every day. And when he renews me and helps me stand, like, what does that tangibly practically look like every day? Right. So it's funny because I feel like I launched this project thinking, wow, look, I have this great need for encouragement and I need to understand what encouragement looks like. And the Lord went, you know what, Lindsay, the best way to do that is to throw you into a really challenging situation and let you figure it out. Uh-huh. So I think that's, that's what it looked like. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I totally get that. It's kind of like, okay, here's your real life Test journey lab, to figure yeah. this out. Exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> put it into practice right yeah yeah that's amazing and wow i can't even imagine we were just talking i haven't really mentioned this on the podcast yet but we were just talking about how i'm working towards writing a book as well and it's yeah. totally the same for me i'm like oh i've got an outline like here's my chapter mm. titles and whatever and then like okay now i actually have to like create the content you know <laughs> and like be relatable and yes. funny and you know exactly sound intelligence yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, I know there's stories in my life that would be cool to include, but I'm like, cricket, cricket. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And do I, t- do I put this one in here or chapter four? I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm feeling that right now, <laughs> which is really fun. So I feel like we did cover this a little bit, but just to recap for people that are listening, what prompted you to write your book, A Better Encouragement? And I'm going to read the subtitle as well, because I think it's so good. So it's a better encouragement, trading self-help for true hope. Yes. So I started to notice that I had this kind of gnawing hunger to be encouraged. And that usually came because I was feeling weak in some particular area, but I wouldn't necessarily have noticed that off the top of my head. Like I wouldn't have woken up one day and said to a good friend, like, wow, I feel really discouraged. I would have Mm -hmm. just said, maybe in the privacy of my own prayer life, like, God, please send me a friend that would encourage me, you know, because I was just feeling frustrated or stressed out or fill in the blank, whatever it is. And I started noticing how often I was feeling disappointed about whether it was a situation, how a situation played out or disappointed with the Lord that he hadn't provided something that I'd been pleading with him for or with a friend for not speaking the right words 
that I was longing for them to speak. Mm. And so I started asking the Lord, okay, what is behind that? That is making me feel frustrated all the time. And I really felt like as I prayed through that, and this was like not a one-time prayer, this was like, you know, weeks, months of praying um, and asking and seeking the Lord and his wisdom. And I really felt like the spirit was saying like, it's discouragement, Lindsay, like you are discouraged. Mm. And I didn't like that feeling. I didn't want to feel discouraged because it was a form of weakness. And so to acknowledge that I was discouraged and that's why I actually needed encouragement felt just really vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And it kind of was just saying out loud that there was a lack of control. Like I, I couldn't control whether people encouraged me and said the things that I wanted them to say. Yeah. And so it really started me down this path of exploring like, okay, what, what is encouragement? When I say that I want encouragement, what am I actually looking for? Mm -hmm. And I realized that a lot of the time when I was feeling discouraged, what I was actually looking for was help, but like more self-help or more solutions that would Mm -hmm. make things not feel so hard. So for instance, like if I was like, you know, struggling to work out in the morning or something, I might think in my head, well, if I just had a friend that would get up with me at four in the morning and encourage me to work out, then I'm sure that I would be able to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Or if my husband would just be more self-disciplined in the way that he eats and works out, then I wouldn't struggle with fill in the blank. So I felt like it was just a matter of self-control, you know, like, oh, I need more self-control or like, oh, I'm so discouraged in how I want to eat or work out or whatever it is. But really it was a lack of courage to do something that was difficult, right? Mm. I felt like every time I do this, I give up. Every time I try to do this, something gets in the way and I'm disappointed. Every time I do this, I feel like such a loser. And then I spiral into guilt and shame about how I couldn't do this thing that I valued, you know? And so what I really needed in that moment was I thought encouragement, but the encouragement that we often find, like if I were to go to a friend and say, Hey, you know what? I'm feeling really discouraged about my lack of ability to like, let's just say work out again. Mm -hmm. What we would typically find is that somebody would say something like, well, what do you need? And I would say, I don't know, maybe a a workout buddy. And they would say, okay, well, I'll do that. Or I won't do that, whatever. Or they would say, well, I'll call you every morning and tell you get up and work out. Or maybe they would guilt me. Like, do you really, do you really want to go to the beach looking like that? You know, like Uh there's all these strategies, right. That we employ but really what we're not realizing is that we're calling it encouragement. Like the, the person that might say, I'll go to the gym with you every day, or the person that might say, I'll call you and make sure you're up every day. Or the person that might be like shaming me into, into wanting to get up mm-hmm. all of those things, they might be labeling as encouragement when really what they are is like furthering my desire for self-help. So that like bootstrap mentality of like, well, if I just try harder, if I just press in more, if I just want it more then I would feel encouraged enough to do this thing. And really that isn't actually the kind of encouragement that Christians are called to be led forward by. So if you think about encouragement in the biblical sense, there's a different purpose that you see scripture using encouragement for, and it isn't to further our belief in what we can do and how we can uh, sustain ourselves because that's not the Christian MO, 
right? Right. So I think a big part of the understand or the question that I began with of like, okay, so what should encouragement look like in a Christian? Like, is it wrong for someone as a friend to help me, you know, hold, hold fast to a priority and get up and do hard things? No, it's totally fine for there to be encouragement like that. Mm -hmm. But the, the concept behind a better encouragement is that that is not all that exists of encouragement. That's not the only thing it is meant to do. There is actually more good that the Lord uses encouragement to accomplish in the life of a Christian. Oh, that's super good. Yeah. I love that. And you mentioned self-help. So obviously that's like super popular right now, probably has been for a Mm -hmm. while, (laughs) the Mm -hmm. idea of self-help and even if we don't necessarily label it as that, you know, things that are probably in that same realm or whatever. So how would Mm -hmm. you distinguish between self-help and like true encouragement or biblical encouragement? Sure. So biblical encouragement, I think the easiest way to think about it, and then I'll unpack it, is that true biblical encouragement should be for God's people. Mm -hmm. It should consist of God's promises and it should be utilized for God's purposes. Now that might sound kind of trite, but if we think about it, the promises that we see throughout scripture are not blanket promises made to anyone. They are promises that are intended for those who have believed by faith in Christ through grace, right? They, they've mm-hmm. come to a saving knowledge of faith in the truth of the gospel. And those who believe have access to all of these promises that we see throughout the old and the new Testament. And so when we think about passages like be strong and courageous, the Lord, your God is with you, or, you know, or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Those are promises that have been given to those who believe and believe specifically in the sacrifice of Jesus and believe that they are relying on the power of God through the spirit. Mm -hmm. So when we think about encouragement, it doesn't take a Christian to offer encouragement to another Christian. Like I can tell an unbeliever, Hey, you did a great job on that math test. You really must've studied, keep that good work up. And I bet your grade will come up next month. Mm -hmm. That is encouragement, right? Right. But Christians have a better encouragement in that because we have believed in Christ and have been given every promise through Christ, through his word and through his spirit and through the body of Christ, Mm -hmm. we are able to offer better promises to others. And specifically in the body of Christ, That means that we are offering them promises that aren't offering them self-help because really you and I both know that at our weakest moments, when we've said, this is something I really want. And yet I cannot seem to produce this thing in me. Mm -hmm. Like we disappoint ourselves on the regular, right? So it's actually not helpful for someone to say, you got this. When I know that I don't, yeah. if I know that I'm struggling with something, I don't want someone to tell me try harder and you'll be able to do it because self-help is not my greatest hope. My greatest hope is that even when I don't have whatever it is that I feel like I'm supposed to be doing, that Christ still loves me and still died for me and is still with me. Yeah. So if we have a gospel that is filled with stories of trial and suffering, we need a message of encouragement that is going to help us find courage in the message that was meant to give us courage in the midst of trial and suffering. Mm. And so when I'm in the midst of trial and suffering, I don't need people to give me like cliche sayings that are not meant to sustain me. Right. I don't need people to tell me 
oh, it will get better or it'll be better when you wake up in the morning. It may not be. It may be harder and darker. Mm -hmm. And so I don't need people to tell me things that just sound good. And I think that when we tend to think that encouragement is only meant to help people feel better, that also relies on the encourager to know what to do and what to say in order to make the other person feel better. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that we don't always know what the other person needs. Majority of the time we don't. No, but the spirit does. And so the closer that we cling to the ways that the spirit encourages and the words that the spirit uses to encourage, the more likely we are to provide what's actually needed rather than kind of just our own random words that we think might sound great. Yeah, that is so good and so true. So I recently actually finished reading your book and it was so good. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. So I really loved all the scripture references that you use and how it is so grounded in truth and not just like make us feel better, you know, phrases Mm -hmm. and whatever. So Mm -hmm. which is the whole point. But I loved that. And one thing that I love that you say is, you know, it's there's this gap between our desire for encouragement and then knowing how to actually encourage well, why do you feel like it's important to encourage using God's promises? I think that it is important because God's promises are going to prove true. Mm -hmm. So God is more concerned about fulfilling his promises than we are. And we are not always able to fulfill promises that we often find ourselves making. Mm -hmm. And so for instance, if someone says like with my, with my book, for instance, I think there were plenty of people that in the early days when I first started writing would have said things like, well, I know that you're going to publish a book one day, Lindsay. And the truth was like, I didn't know if I was going to publish a book one day. (laughs) They had zero idea of whether or not the Lord would actually open a door for me to be able to do that. So it really wasn't actually the words that I needed in those moments. Like what I needed in those moments was to be told like, Lindsay, the Lord has a plan for your life. He will order your steps. He will make sure that he will put you where you need to be because he who has called you is faithful to complete the good work he began in you. And so the promises that I needed in the moments when I was struggling with like calling or struggling with like showing up and being faithful with doing the work, the promises that I needed were the ones that said, you do not have everything. You are not able to control everything, but God sees it all. And God has all the resources and God is completely sovereign and able to order every step. And so I think when we talk about using God's promises as encouragement, I think that we are on much safer ground in giving people encouragements that are trustworthy and true because we know that God is backing them and not us, but it also relieves us from trying to tell the future because Mm -hmm. we're not saying things that set them up to be not true. Like when you say, I know that this is going to happen or, you know, God knows that you want to be a mom. So I'm sure one day you'll be a mom. No, you're, we're not, we're not sure about that, Yeah, you know, or I'm sure you'll live till the age of 80 and be a, you know, wonderful grandmother who blah, blah, blah. No, you might not be, you know, I mean, there's mm-hmm. all kinds of things that we want to say because we know it sounds pleasing to the ears and we know that it makes the face smile, right? It's merriment, but merriment is not the end goal of encouragement. Courage is the end goal. And what do we need to have the courage to stand firm and trust the Lord or to stand firm in affliction or difficulty? We need God's promises that we know are unchanging and ever true, right? Right. Yeah. And I think one thing that really stood out to me 
and spoke to me a lot was the idea of pointing back to God, you know, and pointing back to, you know, he says that he is with us so much, you know, in the Bible and just knowing, I think, like you said, that that brings that courage because we have our eyes on him rather than on ourselves um, or on our own, you know, strength and abilities and things like that. And that I think is super, super powerful when we actually lean into it. Well, and I think, you know, so much of our kind of cultural discouragement at this hour is that we, we are allergic to weakness, right? And so we want to constantly pretend that we have everything all together. And so if I constantly feel the need, and I say that as someone that recognizes even inside the church, that's true. Like Mm -hmm. even inside the church, we are regularly around Christians who want to pretend that they have figured out how to do life. Right. And that we don't struggle with sin, that we don't ever fall into suffering, that we're doing whatever we need to avoid hardship. And so when we are so consumed with making sure that we have the the mask on and that we're looking like we're doing everything all right, then we, we continue to pour into that life for other people because they think, well, like if so-and-so never needs encouragement and -and so-and-so never struggles and good grief, so-and-so's struggling with cancer or their kid, you know, this happened or whatever. And we only see the positive, cheerful side of things. We begin to think that we are the weirdos because we're hurting or crying or feeling disconnected from the body or whatever that might be. And so we forget that there is actually benefit to the entire body of Christ when we bring our need for encouragement to one another Because it helps us to learn from one another, like, oh, actually, when so-and-so confessed their weakness, they found the grace that they needed to continue on, or the whole body stepped up and helped serve, or whatever that might look like, we see as a corporate witness within the body. And so when we withhold our discouragement and withhold public encouragement to others, we're really withholding a mercy that God intends to speak as a witness to the whole body of Christ. Mm, yeah, that's so beautiful. And really, I, I think it's convicting in a way. The whole thing is convicting in a good way of just like, okay, where are we really putting our focus and what are we listening to? What voices are we listening to? You know, mm-hmm. um, And I think this really pairs nicely with the idea of like how to respond to people in grief as well. And, you know, when people are facing loss and challenges in life and pain, this is, I think, something that actually holds up versus some of the things that you hear, you know, like you said, that are just mm-hmm. kind of like, it's, it's all going to be fine. And it's, it's great. Okay, and it's, pat, pat, pat. You're exactly. like, it's not right now. It's really so, not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I even see that with, you know, with little kids and when, you know, you give the response of, oh, you're, you're fine. You're okay. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. not a really good response. But then yeah. if you say, you know, I see you're hurting right now, or yes. oh, that must be really painful, you know, and kind right. of help them process it. Do you know who's always with you when you're hurting and who yes. sees every time you fall? Uh-huh. Your father in heaven. He sees yes. it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I actually just had this conversation mm-hmm. with one of my kids yesterday. Um, and I even, I posted on Instagram today, but one of my kids had, you know, just a kid at VBS, like did something, you know, tootie that was a normal kid behavior you know? Right. And he's telling me this thing that, you know, like, Oh, this happened and it was terrible. And he did it four times in a row and it was awful, you know? And like so many people would say to him like, Oh, tell me who did it. Let me go fix that. Let me force him to apologize to you, you know? 
And then so many people like adults even will run to my child who is crying and say, Oh, you're, you know, you're strong. You can, you can get up and keep going and like shake it off. You're fine. And that sounds encouraging. It sounds encouraging that we're going to go correct this other kid. But really like in that moment, the most encouraging thing that I could say to my child was like, you live in a world that is surrounded by sinners and that is filled with opportunities for suffering. Mm -hmm. Christ is with you in those moments. What happened when people did hard things and you know, what, what happened to Jesus? Was Jesus always fully respected and honored? And he was like, Nope. And I said, what happened instead? And he was like, they mocked him. I was like, yeah. And did somebody fix it and set it right for him? He was like, Nope. What happened instead? Um, well, he was actually crucified, you know? And I know that that's not, that is not always the answer when you're comforting kids. I get that. Right. But in that <laughs> moment, in that moment, what he needed was to be reminded that it was not abnormal. Like he was not like lacking in faith because he was hurting, mm-hmm. but he was also not without the presence of a comforter in Christ. He was not without people to put their arm around him and love him and to draw him back into the group and to stand up for him. But he needed to understand that that was not an experience that it was like something was wrong with him, that he was facing this. He was just discouraged and he needed to be encouraged to stand up and to face hard things and to go into a world that's going to continue to mock and spit and slap and do hard things Mm -hmm. because we need courage to face that because we can't, we don't always have people that are going to, to take everything away from us like that, you know, I'm like snaps over (laughs) here. So good. (laughs) Get on my little soapbox. I love it. Yeah. That's so true. Another part that I'm like, this is so good and so like needed right now. And I think there's been a theme that I've been hearing obedience over and over again, but just the Mm -hmm. idea of the power of obedience, one Mm -hmm. that God's calling us to be obedient, but also kind of the connection between that and the strength that we need or being provided the strength that we need through the spirit and that kind of thing. So do you want to share just your thoughts on that connection between obedience and strength? Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, I think we're kind of surprised when, you know, like scripture tells us like, obey God's word and it will go well with you. Mm -hmm. And then when we don't and we're like, things are really hard. I'm experiencing suffering and, you know, there's consequences. Yes. Well, God told us that God told us that if we follow his commandment, there will be joy and blessing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we're surprised when we struggle to obey But then instead of just asking the Lord for his help and confessing that weakness and saying, you know, I actually cannot do this on my own, Lord. I need your help. Please give me the strength that I need to stand and give me the wisdom to know what parameters to put in place to obey your word. We just kind of keep making the same mistakes over and over again and falling into temptation. And I think God's commands give us good boundaries and guardrails to actually help us to walk in his ways. And when we obey them and when we walk in his ways, we are filled with the courage that we are meant to be filled with because not because it's like, oh, look at what a good person I am or look how morally I'm living, Mm -hmm. but it's because there's an abundance of blessing when we obey God, it's a actual reward for obedience. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that's actually more, um, something that we crave Like we want, we crave the blessing, but we're afraid to pursue the obedience because we don't believe that God will actually bless it. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But when we have walked in obedience and seen the fruit of the spirit in that, and when I say fruit, I mean, specifically love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Yeah. Those are things that the Lord is cultivating through our obedience, right? When we've tasted the fruit of those things and we've been like, oh my gosh, I am so much happier when I am walking in God's ways, then we want more of that. Like we don't want, we don't crave more sin when we're obeying God the more that the Lord refines us and makes us more like him, we long to please him Mm -hmm. more. Um, That's how we're intended to function. Yeah. But you know, those are baby, baby muscles that the Lord is constantly like strengthening and making new. Yes. It's like obeying in the little things and Mm -hmm. yes, building that muscle Mm -hmm. for sure. So kind of to maybe wrap up focusing specifically on this book and I definitely want to encourage everyone to check it out. A Better Encouragement by Lindsay Carlson. <laughs> Make sure to pick up a copy or get it. It was so fun that you read the audiobook too. Sorry, that was that side was, note. <laughs> yes, that was really fun. That's so cool. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, I think so. Anyway, last question I have on the book specifically is how can we practically encourage others and then also kind of like run together in life? You kind of mentioned running the race and running alongside other people. So any practical tips for how to go about a better encouragement? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the best thing that you can do if you're on the front end of thinking about the subject is, first of all, think about the ways that you have been best encouraged. And when I say best encouraged, I mean, as a believer, how have you been encouraged in ways that have strengthened your faith to trust God, to find peace, to be filled with joy or gratitude? How have people spoken into your life in ways that have felt the most meaningful and encouraging to you? And then how can you replicate those in a way that you are specifically built and wired to do? So I think about um, like as a pastor's wife, I regularly have the opportunity to sit and listen to women's stories. I regularly have the opportunity to sit and talk to other authors or to talk to people who are just maybe beginning the process of um, writing or teaching or something. Mm -hmm. And so I know very easily, I I could rattle off a list of people who I think of as primary encouragers in each of those categories. Like this woman was a fantastic encourager in my early pastor's wife's day. Pastors, you know what I mean? So I can think about things that were really, really meaningful. And a lot of the time, They were just as simple as like being generous with their time. Mm -hmm. So like they were a generous listening ear when I needed time Um, and they wanted to sit and listen to me, whether it was even complaining at the time or wrestling through something I didn't understand or feeling frustrated. They were a patient listener Mm -hmm. and they were generous with their time, but not just because they were like, Ooh, what's Lindsay struggling with today, but because they wanted to encourage me in the ministry. They wanted to encourage the gifts that they saw in me. And they wanted to be able to say, hey, I believe that the Lord has called Lindsay to good works. How can I encourage her to get up and run faithfully in the way that the Lord has made her? And so they were able to encourage me because they had an eye for that. So I think knowing and seeing people and giving them time, like generously giving them time. But I think also just general being observant of others in your life. It's easiest to start with the people that are closest to you. So if you have a spouse, if you have a roommate, if you have parents or brothers or sisters, or you have close friends that you're, you know, daily texting or whatever, Mm -hmm. ask the Lord to give you eyes to see opportunities to speak words of life 
into that person. And when I say words of life, we're not looking for words of encouragement that just simply feel good and then they disappear. But words of life that are good for strengthening them as a person made in the image of God. How can I help this person to flourish in a way that will help them to love God and love others? I think that as you start to look for that, it is a lot easier to start to say the right things. And by right, I mean spirit led. Yes. Yeah. There's not like a right, like, hey, Rachel, tell me what you want me to say to, today to encourage you. Right. Like that would not feel super encouraging. And I think often you wouldn't even know the answer. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's okay for us to admit to the spirit, like, Lord, I don't know what Rachel needs today. So, Lord, I pray that today, as I speak to Rachel, you know, today on this podcast or so and so on the phone, or so-and-so at lunch today, I pray, Lord, that you would give me the words to say that would encourage her to love you, to walk faithfully before you, to feel strengthened and equipped for the day ahead of her, whatever her trials are. And then when we just spend time with one another, I think that those words naturally flow, flow out of us because the spirit speaks through us as we make time for one another. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That's great. It's great. Like, way to kind of launch into it and try to open our eyes a little bit, become more aware (laughs) of what our words are producing, I guess. And yeah, so cool. So you may remember this from last time. I'm not sure, but I typically ask at the end, you know, is there something you have in your heart to share with other artists? So I'm going to, I'm going to read it so that I don't. Okay. Sounds good. So Romans 12 says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. I think about when I encourage people, how can I encourage someone while letting my love be genuine? Not trying to manipulate, I'm not trying to control a situation, I'm trying to love. And so, as people who are creators and who are in a world that we're filling the world with truth and beauty, hopefully, as we're creating things, We need to be doing so with love that is genuine for other people, that sees the need in other people, that sees the weakness in other people. And as we create content, there is no lack of content creation right now in today's society. There is a lack of loving content creation Mm. that sees other people as image bearers in need of truth and grace. And so I think that's that was kind of the word that I woke up with on my heart today was just to challenge people who are creating to the glory of God, to let their love be genuine. Yes. So good. I love that. I'm going to like, let that resonate a little bit. (laughs) Just like, Mm -hmm. you know, we have so much content out there, but Mm -hmm. are we producing content from a place of genuine love? Yeah. I love Mm -hmm. it. So also what is one of your favorite things right now? Okay. I'm going to say I'm loving two things. Uh Uh-huh. One is my hammock in the back of my house that I hung from a tree and we live in Texas, you know, it's super, super hot, but I am getting up in the mornings, like when it is still not 190 degrees outside exactly, and sitting in my hammock in the cool, I mean, in the cool 80 something degrees. Uh And I have a book that I've been using as a daily, like uh, devotional is probably the best word. That's really a weak word to use, but it's called be thou my vision. It is a liturgy book that leads you through like elements of worship. Mm-hmm. And it's a 30 day, like devotional thing that I've actually been using since January. And I love that it actually just repeats the same. Um, like, so 
you just every month, like I will pick it up and go, okay, July, whatever day it is, turn to that. If it's the 30th, I pick the 30th, you know? Yeah. So you're not, you're not having to worry about getting behind in it. You're just picking it up for whatever day that is, but it has like corporate prayers and like corporate confessions of sin and assurances of pardon. And it's just beautiful. And uh, I'm going to tell you who it's by so that you can, you can check it out. Awesome. So it's called Be Thou My Vision, a liturgy for daily worship. And it's by Jonathan Gibson. And it is fantastic. I have been enjoying it since January and it's now July. So hammock with that book, that is my jam. I love it. Yes. So I would love to let people know how they can connect with you, with your work, with this book. And I saw that you have a launch party coming up. I do. So if you want to share about that, because you never know who's listening in that area or that kind of thing. That is true. Yeah. So now that we're back in DFW, some ladies in my new church uh, are throwing this really fun launch party on July 30th. And that's a Saturday morning. It's in Farmersville, which is, uh, I think, northeast of Dallas a little bit. It's between Dallas and Greenville. And it's a little coffee shop called 12 Stories Coffee. And we have, it's a small room. So we're selling tickets so we can make sure that we can fit everybody and get everybody good food. But we're going to have food and coffee and a book and you can get your book signed. I'm going to speak a little bit on encouragement. So it should be a fun morning and we would love to have anybody who wants to join. That's awesome. Yay. And then do you have like a website or place where people can go? Yes. So I have probably the easiest way you can find that information would be on Facebook or Instagram. The link is in my profile on Instagram. I'm the Lindsay Carlson. Nice. Which is hilarious because Lindsay Carlson was already taken. So I was like, well, I'll just put the in front of it. <laughs> and then, but then like later somebody was like, oh, you're the Lindsay Carlson. And I was like, not like that. <laughs> it's like the Lindsay Carlson, not like the mm-hmm. Lindsay Carlson. So now you'll never forget how to find me. Perfect. So that Facebook or my website is www.lindsaycarlson.net. And my name is spelled with an E, Lindsay. Yes. Yes. That mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so true. So many people can't find you just because you have 8 million ways to spell your name. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so super excited for you and really like congratulations on this new Thank book you. being out in the world. So exciting. Hoping people will pick up a copy or listen. And if you're in DFW area, check out the launch party July 30th. Yay. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Lindsay. This has been such a joy to get to reconnect and catch up since last time. Yes. I'm so, so glad. That was such a fun conversation with Lindsay, and I hope that you enjoyed it just as much as I did. You can find the full show notes, additional resources, and all the links mentioned today on our website, creativeimpactpodcast.com. You can go there to find a link to Lindsay's new book, A Better Encouragement, and also a link to tickets to her upcoming book launch. If you're enjoying the podcast, I invite you to check out our Patreon community. Patreon is a really awesome platform where you can support the show and get bonus content. You can check it out at creativeimpactpodcast.com slash Patreon. That's creativeimpactpodcast.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you to every single patron that has helped support this show up to this point. You guys are amazing. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Impact Podcast. The music for the show was produced by Michael Cash. Until next time, remember that you were designed to create, you were made to inspire, continue living with purpose and making an impact. See you next time, friends.